0: What's up, electric people? Welcome back to another episode. We are interviewing one of our street leaders today, Andres Rosario, and I'm joined with Will Hard, his director out on the East Coast. Andres is a DM in DC North. Uh, When we recorded the episode, actually, he was about to complete his fourth street birthday, and um, you know, one of our top leaders out on the East Coast. He's been with the company now for four years, like we said, he's got a couple hundred installs under his belt, and is a, is a super awesome leader. I actually love, my favorite part about this episode, was following his path. I love the diversity that we have in the street. Leaders come from all different walks of life, and Andres came from Wall Street to the Dominican Republic, out to the East Coast, and into Sunrun, it's a pretty awesome story. Um, but it was great to talk about his values as a leader and some of the some of the proficiencies that he's developed through coming in here. I love that people come from different walks of life and exhibit the same leadership abilities that make them successful in the street. So let's get to it. This is Andres Rosario out of DC North. The street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship.
1: Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit.
0: This is Electric People. Go. Andres Rosario, what's up? Good, good. How are you? I'm good, up, man? man. We're joined by Andres and Will Hard today. What's up, Will? What's up, guys? How are you, man?
2: I'm doing good. I know Andres is doing good. I think everyone's in a good mood today.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, there we go. Good, good, good. Just got back from uh from a VC, so feeling actually yeah, good. Did.
0: Yeah. A little bit of an early morning VC to start out your week on a Monday. Exactly. Exactly. I like that, man. Uh, We were just talking before we hit record that you're coming up on your street birthday in August. That's going to be four years for you. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you came into the industry. I don't know that I know your full story. Perfect. So um,
1: I actually started before um, I was with Sunrun. I've I've been in the solar industry for a little bit over a decade. Um, So I originally started my career in Dominican Republic. Um, So actually after... Uh, school. I actually worked in um, epidemiology, so I, w- I was previously an epidemiology researcher um, at Columbia University in New
0: York. What is um, an epidemiology researcher? I'm asking because so, Will doesn't know. Of course, I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah,
1: study study of, of diseases. So kind of diseases um, like large scale diseases that affect you know uh, populations. Um, so specifically, we were studying um, uh, psychiatric, um, child psychiatric uh, epidemiology, uh, and then also um, HIV AIDS epidemiology, specifically based um, in New York. Uh, so I was I was doing that for about four years before I made a career change over to uh, solar. So I moved to the Dominican Republic and started uh, working in, in solar.
0: Isn't that wild that... You studied epidemiology without like any major pandemics, and then a couple years later, we go into like an <laughs> unprecedented like global situation. Were you Correct. freaking out, or were you cool? Like, were you understanding what's going on? Um, I wasn't necessarily. Um,
1: I was freaking out as much as as much as everyone else, um, but just kind of understanding also like the demographics that that it affect that it affects and affected. Um, disproportionately kind of understanding that just based on the numbers, I wasn't necessarily like too, too, too worried.
0: So uh, when, so. Uh, but when they were saying, Hey, we're just going to lock it down for 10 days, were you in your head being like, no, nah, it's going to be more than 10 days.
1: Um, that I, I, that I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't really, really sure of um, cause I wasn't following it that closely um, kind of in, in comparison to anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. I was just more so, just kind of going, going with, going through the motions
0: as we all were at, at that time. Yeah. So. Well, next time there's a flare up, I'm coming to you to know how worried I should be. How about that? Okay. Okay. That that's previous, previous
1: life. I don't know if I'm up to date, but I know a couple of people that I can call to give you more up to date. All
0: right, well, you're the only one I know. So you're my guy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so why did you go to the Dominican Republic to get into solar? How did that work out? Um, so when
1: I when I left the college, like the big the big epiphany moment for me was um, I took a I took a course on energy. So they were talking about different types of energy that existed. Um, and after when, when I was in um, when I was doing epidemiology, I also a lot of my friends went to um, Wall Street. So at that time, I was kind of learning how to trade. And then a big portion of that was kind of understanding geopolitics. And then I kind of went through the whole rabbit hole of like climate change and and fossil fuels. Um, So I kind of it was I had a bit of like a quarter life crisis of just like I feel feel like I was lied to my entire life. Um, So I went through like a six month period where it was, you know, it it was yeah, it was a very interesting. It was a very interesting time, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, writing a lot, reflecting a lot, um, sleeping on my sister's, you know, basement floor. Uh, in 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 Atlanta, I'm um, kind of figuring out what was going to be the next step for me. And then at one point, I remember her asking me. She said, "Well, what are, what are you going to do? Because you can't just like be you know sad sad about the situation. Like, what are you going to actually
0: do?" When you say you felt like you'd been lied to, like the, the situation was more dire than you ever understood, or what?
1: Yeah, I felt like it was more. I feel like it was more dire than what I actually um, understood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So. So kind of going through that um, and feeling that, you know, deep, deep within me being, you know, sad about it. Um, you know, one point at one point, my sister said, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, and then at that point, I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I can go to Dominican Republic. And I wanted to kind of my whole vision was like, I want to democratize energy. I want to help people. Um, you know, own their energy, own their power, and that was kind of where my journey um, started with with solar. And then I went to the Dominican Republic. I essentially, you know, at one point was building solar panels, was building inverters. Why the um, DR? Why did you start there? Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm from there. Um, I'm a dual citizen. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a dual citizen. Um, and my so my mom, you know, my mom would would take us there. Would take us there pretty frequently. Um, so you know, thanks to them, we had a pretty good setup there. So I was able to like move, you know, I had, you know, my own, my own room there. She, she was still based in, in New York, but basically, you know, I was able to move into, to the family house and live there and and have that experience. Cool.
0: So what was that like? You go there and you, you, you said you dabbled in a bunch of different things. I'm trying to think if I went to the Dominican Republic to get involved in solar, where would I start? You know,
1: (laughs) Well, it very literally started, it very literally started my first two years in the Dominican Republic was was honestly building solar panels. So, um, I was just like, well, I don't necessarily have any solar experience. So, like, I can, I was like, well, I have, like, a you know, some money uh, that I could just create my own solar experience. So, I started building solar panels, which we still have up on the roof, actually. I just did another install for her recently with, like, Rio uh, panels. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we literally like, you know, started like building panels. Um, and then we also built inverters and all that stuff. So.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know some reps that have like handed up some panels up to the, up to the techs and like harnessed in on the roof, but I don't know (laughs) of anybody else that's actually assembled the panels and like engineered it on top of the family house before you may be the the, the sole record holder for that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take a picture next time I'm there. Uh, to, they're they're alongside the new the new install.
0: They're still up there for for memories, and I'll be able to tell the difference: which is the Andres install, and which one's the Pro install. Definitely,
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Oh, it,
0: so, how did yeah. you get linked up with Sunrun? How did all that lead to this? So,
1: eventually, um, I started selling solar in the Dominican Republic. Uh, moved to I was there for four years, moved to... what's that like? Do you sell that door-to-door? So it was, it was basically business B2B. Um, so they had very similar and have very similar uh, federal incentives for people to go solar, but it mostly applies to businesses. So it was basically, you know, the door-to-door version, but specifically with businesses, cold calling businesses, getting them um, to install solar. Um, and then after that, I transitioned to... Um, I actually interviewed with Sunrun, um, cause I, I moved to California after four years in the Dominican Republic. I interviewed with Sunrun. Um, I interviewed with another company and then I interviewed with um, Grid Alternatives, which is a partner of, of Sunrun in California. It's like a nonprofit uh, partner, which I'm not sure if you've heard of. Okay. Um, so what I was doing in California was basically helping homeowners you know, go solar at no cost or if you're income qualified um, you know, so checking W twos and all of that stuff, making sure that they're income qualified, um, wow. and and helping them helping them qualify for solar. So you know, and that was part of the San Francisco Oakland program. Um, and some people were also like in San Francisco, we were able to get people free roofs and put solar up, and it was essentially a prepaid lease. So we would prepay their lease for twenty five years and it was directly through Sunrun. So I was very familiar with the contracts and just kind of like the inner workings of Sunrun, just because we were partnering with them on on that level.
0: It's funny, I like to see, it's almost like if, if what I know of your life now is like a movie and they start the movie by showing like current day, and then you go back in time, Trying to see, like, I see you getting closer and closer and closer to the company, right? Like, you're, <laughs> yeah. all, you're trying to figure it out. You find your, you find your purpose. Okay, I want to be involved in this. You go to the DR. Okay, that's a li- that's a little bit of a plot twist. You're pretty far off the grid there, and then you come to California, and then you start working in qualified renewable energy. You're getting closer. So, yeah. so how'd you land here with us then? And then um, that same
1: organization, uh, that same organization had an office in DC um, I heard about someone that actually, that came from that same program that we were, um, so same organization, they were actually doing like job training in DC. One of the job trainees was like, Hey, um, I got, you know, I'm interviewing with these people at Vivid Solar and I've never sold solar before. And I want to like, can you build out like a marketing plan for me? Like, you know, how do I talk to people door to door? Like, how do I canvas? Like, you know, what's the entire strategy? And he started telling me about the role. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and I'm literally giving him the entire plan. I'm like, well, you're going to talk to people in like this area. And this is how you can canvas. And this is how, you know, like all of the strategies Uh and we had this whole session and then I started thinking about it. And then I went to, um, uh, indeed. And, you know, and I saw that, you know, I found the, the Beltsville office and then, um, and that's where I met, um, you know, Jake cook and, and all of those folks um, and yeah, that's, that's where, that's where it essentially started
0: for oh, me okay. at DC North. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, what was it like when Andres came in, when you first met him?
2: Uh, Andres was definitely, a, a very hungry right from the very beginning. His first like time meeting him, he's like, man, I want to grow. Uh, what do I have to do? And he was the epitome of a very good foundry rep for, from the very beginning that he, he was not shy about what he wanted to achieve and what he wanted to accomplish, but also so professional with his conversations and how he did it. He always had his leader's backs. Uh, he knew he knew what he wanted to achieve, but he wanted to do everything the right way. And he was not about skipping steps. He wanted to make sure that uh, there wasn't a box left unchecked that he wasn't thinking about. So um, it, it was a lot of fun. And he was the – I can't remember exactly how many times he hit Foundry, but I can tell you he never missed it prior to being promoted
0: yeah so foundry for those that don't know that's the top uh top five reps in the in the region go into a leadership development program but you have to qualify and you have to beat out competition every single time Mm -hmm. um andres what did it feel like to you to come into to -to door-to-door sales and it looks like you kind of like searched out other ways to enter into the space most people i'm always fascinated with how they find this opportunity and then it opens up like a whole new world that they never knew existed you know, this community of people that, that sell and develop their leadership and essentially have the opportunity to run their own business within a business. So maybe talk me through your mindset as you started and what was it like when you started going door to door, if you were immediately good at it, or if you had to find your way with it?
1: Um, yeah, that, that's, that's um, Yeah. really good question. I think uh, at the beginning, it was definitely hard for sure. Um, Just to kind of get into into the rhythm. And I think for for like previously when I was kind of like pitching people solar or selling people solar, whatever, you know, whatever it was, it wasn't necessarily like one strategy. So I think just really honing in on this on this um, one strategy. um, It definitely take me took me some time to get into into the rhythm um and and what i was actually uh, mentioning to someone like the reason that i was chose door to door is that like you know i had come to a point in my career where i felt like i was kind of a little in terms of growth it was going to be a little bit uh stagnant and i was like well i can you know there were two options for me i felt like at that point is like i can get my mba or i could knock doors for two years
0: <laughs> um and i feel like NBA yeah it's knock like MBA knock doors i love those two like Polarizing options, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I was like, well, one one option uh, immediately after I come out, I'm 150 to 200 thousand dollars in debt. And I was like, even if I don't sell anyone or sell the minimum amount of people, I'll still be, you know, 200 thousand
0: dollars in the black (laughs) by knocking doors. Honestly, man, like I have a real theory on that that you can't Mm -hmm. lose. Like, you you kind of can't lose at this job like the things that we're worried about like oh they could say no and then you're like and like i still haven't lost anything like i Mm
2: -hmm.
0: really don't lose anything by taking this chance and it's an interesting like it's an interesting way to like gauge the opportunity and like weigh the risk because again a lot of people would equate like okay i'll go get my mba and then i'll have opportunity but then you have to weigh it's like hey it's going to cost money this other one okay say i'm the worst ever which i life experience has shown you that that won't be the case Mm -hmm. but if i'm the worst ever i'm still up on someone that invested in another you know what i mean like that's an interesting way to break it down exactly yeah the school of hard knocks yeah Yeah. (laughs) literally (laughs) Literally. what did you think okay i'm gonna try this and see how i do at it and then there's always mba in the back pocket if i if it if for some reason that looks like the best path or what
1: no, I thought um, I, I thought like once I made that decision, I'll I'll um, I'm gonna do it. And the thing is that at that point, I had you know from what I had saved, I had like twenty five to thirty k like twenty five to thirty k. So I was just like, even if I like literally fail, 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 and I had scaled down my life at that point. So I was just like, at that point, I think you know my my expenses monthly were like. I would say like 2000, less than $2,000. So at that point I was just like, even if I like completely and totally suck, this can get me through two years of this, you know, experience that I'll have. Your life expenses
0: in the East Coast were 2000 bucks. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I moved, I first started by moving out of DC. That was, that was definitely like the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I for rent at that point.
0: 2000 bucks. Holy crap. That's crazy
1: yeah because I, I didn't have a car payment and i moved when i was living in dc i was paying almost a thousand for rent and i moved to maryland and that went down to like 600 or so mm. yeah yeah, it's so so crazy. It was, he's I
2: mean. frugal, so he's definitely shopping the best deal he's making sure he's not overpaying <laughs> for anything and that still is even the case today
0: yeah. maximizing we'll call it maximizing yes right? yes what were your thoughts as you started to go out and, and prospect and sell? Like impressions of the company, and then as you started doing the job, impressions of the job. What were your early thoughts?
1: Um. So in t- in terms of impressions of the of the company, I think definitely having the support um, the support network that I had um, from the leaders was definitely um, impressive. And, and I think also, um, one of the things that really struck me, um, you know, kind of when I started hitting foundry and started becoming, you know, more of an integral part of that inner circle of, of, of sales folks is I, I, I specifically remember I had, um, uh, a training like in the foundry and it was, it was with Adam and he was, very he was very explicit about like hey like once you make this commission money like what specifically are you going to invest it in i want to know like to the dollar amount what specifically that's going to be and i think it was just like cool having leadership that's actually that's actually going and wanting to push you and i think everyone does but i think that specific moment um that specific moment really impacted me. Um, and also, you know, it definitely spearheaded my, my investment journey. So I think just as a company that was very impactful to me, having that come from leadership um, because I think if anything, on most organizations it's going to be the opposite. They're like spend as much as you can so that you have to work here as long as you possibly can.
0: Dude, you laugh about it, but I, in an earlier organization in a different time, I remember part of the comp plan is they would give leaders, like if you were a district manager, they'd give you a, a car allowance. It was just a monthly amount, but they called it a car allowance. And I was talking to somebody and I was like, well, what if you don't use the car allowance? This is before I was a leader. Can can you still get the money? And they're like, yeah, but we want to encourage people to, to become like dependent on the car payment so that they stay here long-term. And I remember hearing it and I'm like, like <laughs> It's a pretty shallow, it's 500 bucks. First of all, it's not $5,000 and then they're not like, you know what I mean? It was like, it was, I was like, huh? Like that's as deep as you've thought. It's not, Hey, we want to develop like these people and understand that if we, if we help them develop into something, then they'll probably engender some loyalty. It was literally like, now we think that'll hook them. And I was like, all right, man, I did not get a car and get on that car allowance. I just remember thinking that like, man, there's gotta be more to it than that. You know what I mean? It's funny. Um, so did you pick up sales pretty quick?
1: I believe so. Um, in, in terms of, and, and I guess it depends on like what you, what you would define by, by pretty quick, but I would say like within the, within the first like six to nine months, I started to get into the rhythm of it Mm -hmm. specifically with this, you know, like the demographic that we're working with here. Um, and understanding within that what was my you know what was my superpower and just honing in on my voice uh specifically on the doors as well as you know in a VC and, and and all of that and what specifically I bring to the table that can kind of energize homeowners um or you know make them make them enthusiastic about you know making making that switch over to solar
0: with me i'm going to ask you and will this but what do you think your superpower is wills same question for Andres. What do in, you think you, in terms uh, of sales? Yeah, you said that you 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 had to find the rhythm and connect kind of with your superpower or what makes you good at it. What would you describe that as for yourself? What's something that helps you do this at a high level?
1: I think for me, and this is you know this is pretty basic. I think um, I think for me, and it's not something that I feign or fake. I feel like I'm just naturally in awe of people. Um, And I think, you know, going into conversations with anyone, you know, whatever demographic it is, whatever income demographic, whatever any type of demographic it is, I feel like I'm just naturally in awe of people. And I go into conversations knowing that I'm going to learn something that I didn't know before um, from that person. And I think people naturally like people that like them. So I feel like just expressing interest in other people and not necessarily faking it is that, you know, like. You know the vc yesterday or even the vc this morning like i'm just like i had no idea like you know we were having a conversation for the um the woman today she's from el salvador um the 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 couple from yesterday one of them is is uh american the other one's from portugal and i learned an incredible amount you know from from those two vcs so i think just being naturally and off people i think has them take a liking to me as well. And people buy from people that they like. Um, and I think it also, um, creates that emotional connection, especially when people, you know, when, when you ask people questions, insightful questions about themselves that they want to answer and they feel that they're connecting with you.
0: Yeah. Kind of that just intrinsic curiosity.
2: Yeah. I wish I would have gone first because I could, uh, I could have uh, summarized what, all of what Andres said in one word. The, not to diminish anything that he just said, but Andres is one of the most relatable people that I've met. Uh. He, he uh, from a managerial level and from a kind of a sales professional level, uh, he just has the ability, regardless of who he's talking to, to to cut through kind of the weeds, so to speak, and get to get to the core of someone. And I've watched him do that um, in multiple different situations where he just. He, he's insanely relatable, and he gets people to, a, listen to him and be follow him because of it.
0: It's cool. Thank you. He, uh, I remember Brian Tracy once said, I believe it's actually in the psychology of selling, but a good gauge of success in sales is how many people you can get along with, right? Like if you can get along with the the bigger group of people. There's always those people that can sell one demographic. You know what I mean? Like where they're like, you know what? I kind of like a middle aged, like pre retirement middle-class type person and then some people are like no i only like young people that are like tech savvy but obviously opening up the aperture and being more relatable is a massive skill you know but you said you find enjoyment in that you like learning about people and kind of like would you consider yourself an extrovert then you get energy from people in conversations or you keep to yourself a little bit more
1: i think I think both. Um, I would say either an introverted extrovert or extroverted introvert. Like I feel like <laughs> <laughs>
0: a little bit of both because I what definitely. About what about an introspective extrovert? <laughs>
2: so, something like that. Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely extroverted on the dance floor. Uh, normally, oh dang! Yeah. <laughs> what was yeah the worst on the dance floor, floor? see <laughs> shy. Or a little bit quieter, you, you're not going to expect just start tear up tearing up the dance floor. But that's Andres.
0: Andres from we have you know we we hire in the street uh, probably around five to six hundred people a month, so they're all coming from different walks of life and sure. like experiences like yours where you know you've kind of like you know had an interest in something and then like your path got more narrowed towards ultimately what you're doing. What are, what are some early lessons that you remember learning that, that, that helped you either epiphanies or skills that you learned quickly, but what's something that you picked up that would be valuable to maybe a new rep listening to this about starting a career in street sales?
1: I think initially, um, I think initially having having kind of like different goals for things that you do daily or quarterly or yearly, and and also like I think there's the there's the endpoint which is installs for example, um, but even the skills that you're attaining on the doors of talking to people, understanding body language. For me, I I serve a lot of latino clients which i think it's it's interesting for like people that they're like oh like how long have you been in the us cuz like they assume that since my spanish is so good that i was like i definitely was not born here so i think just like even at the beginning focusing on like well you know i want to make this an experience about learning how to negotiate i want to make this an experience about really really refining my spanish or i want to make this about an experience about understanding body language so I think falling in love, you know, and, and this is, you know, um, I think a lot of people will, will say this is like more so falling in love with the process and what you're learning in the process versus that end goal. Because I think a lot of the times if people don't achieve, you know, because I think there's some people with this that have a lot of success out the gate. And I don't think that was necessarily me. Um, it took a while for me to actually refine it, Mm -hmm. uh, to actually, you know, really understood, understand, um, what I was doing. But I think if people were to focus on those micro goals of like, this is what I'm actually gaining in the interim of, you know, being able to install, being able to hit certain league levels, I think people would be more resilient, uh, throughout their journey.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like, um, and a lot of times, If you have the right inputs, right? Like the the outputs kind of take care of themselves, right? So Mm -hmm. like you want to hit a certain install goal, but if you say, Hey, my focus, if I'm hearing you, right, my focus for the quarter is I just want to get comfortable breaking preoccupation and having more conversations. As you start to get better, you're less stressed, you have success, you feel happier, and then the end result is there. Often if you focus on the end result and say, I want to install this amount, you end up getting frustrated as... And, and you end up kind of getting in your own way to getting that goal. You know what I mean? Do that's, that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you remember what some of your early goals were? Like what some of your early like focuses were to help you get started and find your rhythm?
1: Um, so that the initially it was initially it was learning, learning how to sell, um, learning how to sell, because I think that's the, the fundamental of any business education you know, if you're starting a business, it's really understanding how to, you know, influence someone on, on the other end um, to either purchase a product or, or to invest in, in what it is that you're doing. So I think uh, that specifically, um, secondly, to be able to really um, grow, my, grow my investments, um, grow my different type of in investments. Um, so those, those were two of the biggest um, initial ones uh were the, were those things i would say
2: mm-hmm. after andres learned how to sell i know he was definitely chasing a megawatt because as a new director i threw out a a, a little bit too <laughs> big of a bet that we
0: haven't <laughs> talked about since
2: but he was he was gunning for it
0: hey does, yeah. does, will, does will owe you do we need to make good on a bet here what's going on
1: no 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 yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hit it. I didn't hit the, the bet. I didn't hit the. It was bet, a so. lot
0: closer than I wanted them to be. Put it that. What way. was the bet? A megawatt in what a year?
1: Oh I, I honestly, I would have to look through the history of the texts, and I, I think it was either yeah, a megawatt or a certain amount of installs within within a year, and which is very realistic for us because the the yeah. average system size is like nine, nine, eight,
0: nine kilowatts. So. That used to be our league trip. That was that used to be the megawatt trip. Is you had to do a mm-hmm. megawatt in a year, and and honestly, it's crazy because our perspective has changed as the industry's evolved and as commissions mm-hmm. have gone up. But mm-hmm. you used to have to hit a megawatt in a year to go on that trip. And I remember like it would have been nice to have nine kilowatts. I remember when I was selling, my average was like three point eight, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, all right. So some people have to do sixty installs in a year. Some people have to do two hundred. You know, but that's how it was. Like, you just, <laughs> You just kind of went for it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all a game. It's all good. Um, So talk about the transition to leadership and maybe some of the lessons you've learned in leadership along the way. Because you lead uh, the D.C. North office, which is really dynamic in a lot of different ways. You've been through a lot of different market adjustments. So one of the first um, markets to figure out and switch to selling a loan product, which was different. took us a while to figure that one out. Um, now, you know, there's, there's even increased market dynamics and, and, and shifts and what kinds of products you can offer and coming up through leadership, right. From being massive offices to splitting off other offices, you know, that area has been, uh, kind of a hub of change and innovation. So talk mm-hmm. us about how you got into leadership and give us a couple adventures and leadership stories along the way for DC North.
1: Um, so I would say it's been, it's been about two years um, it's been about yeah two years and something like that um, but in terms of in terms of what we've had to to navigate um, I think it's been extremely enriching um, in the sense that we've had to adapt very quickly um, and I think some people you know some people can kind of see it as something that's negative. And I think it's something that's positive because, you know, if we're applying, you know, and and assuming, you know, the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of our career, what we've learned in the last two years of being malleable, being flexible, of being able to really hone in on change and not only survive through it, but thrive, um, I think has been you know, I think it's benefited us uh, highly. Um, and, and the biggest change that I've seen, the biggest change that I've seen is the interest rate change. Um, and for, for me, and I think for a lot of the reps that were used to selling a certain way, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is people changing their pitch. Cause before it was, Hey, you're going to save, you're going to go from paying X amount of money to paying this amount of money. Yeah. Uh, Versus having people successfully pivot and training people, training people, you know, so the multiplier effect of how to successfully pivot to like, Hey, it's not like you're going to save money, but you're actually going to be locking in your rate and you're going to be protecting yourself from inflation. Um, so being able to really hone in, um, really hone in on that type of sales and having a lot of people that were successful selling one way and help them transition to selling, um, to selling another way mm-hmm. and also changing people's perspective and changing their narrative, because there's always going to be people that are like, oh, you know, the industry's changing and not, it's not what it used to be um, and more so changing it into a story of what can we learn? From what's going on right now and the people that are going to arise as winners on the back end of this are people that did the work now so you know at at what you know who specifically do you want to be when this kind of interest rate debacle ends do you want to be the person that was bitter about the good old days or do you want to be the person that rose up to the challenge that's refined their skills up to that point so that when the market does soften up you'd actually be able to take more advantage of that opportunity.
0: Yeah. The, um, malleability and adaptability of street, like the street org always impresses me. Mm -hmm. The fact that, I mean, if you think about it, we're individuals that have kind of bet on ourselves. Right. And, and, you know, you like to have you like to ha- you like to hold the ball during during like a game time moment. You know, it's kind of like this group: hundred percent commission, not a whole lot of guarantees, and a lot of uh, upside and opportunity to build their own thing, right? Um, and so I always say that, that the street's probably our most adaptable um, and malleable channel, as far as we could switch products with the market. We can change tomorrow. In fact, in a lot of ways, we like change. We may say that we don't, but mm-hmm. we actually do because we've aligned ourselves in a, in a world that changes constantly. And so think about the four years you've been here, how much change you've seen, and that's actually normal, right? Yeah. But the thing that we can always do better at that we generally, critically don't do well at is surprise. So we're like, we don't do well with surprise, often freak out, but if we're preempted and told beforehand, then we actually really are, are, I don't know, we're kind of fired up at a change. But I think leaders see that differently, right? Like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do in in like an assessment environment is watch a leader get bad news. Like obviously I don't like to give leaders bad news, (laughs) but it's always fascinating to me in a room to deliver or to see delivered news that's adversarial or difficult and then like, that moment is such a clear indicator of who's where in their development. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. immediately feel threatened and they retreat and their security and they, you know, some people rebel and attack and then some people process and strategize and think of the way out, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it's one of my favorite things to see in our group because I have such high respect for people that can adapt incoming mm-hmm. dynamics, but I'm yeah. always, I'm always also assessing how do you do when you get bad news? How 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 do you think? You know what I mean? I I saw a quote. One of my friends posted this the other day. A quote that Todd Peterson actually said, who founded Vivint Inc. It was something to the something to the effect of um, a person is as big as the smallest thing that sets them off. Some something like that, right? Like yeah. if you're gonna freak the freak out on everything, then you're just you're just not all that developed, right? But yeah. if you if you get set off by injustice or you get set off by for treatment of somebody or you get set off but you know you stand up for something well that's really noble right and so mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's like okay you only get you get like 10 like real freak out moments in your life what are you wasting those on you know it's like a it's like a bee a bee can sting what like one or two people and then they're dead it's like mm-hmm. same thing like what are you what are you, <laughs> are you just like going around stinging everything or are you like actually being yeah. calculated and do you have something that you stand for as a leader you know I wonder um,
2: that Andres and the whole DC North group and I guess even Virginia too, for that matter, um, were able to, able to pivot through fast, which is, uh, attributed to the street, but also maybe even a little bit more intense is there was like six weeks of time that pay was changing every single day with the change of dealer fees. Yeah. One thing that dealer happened fees in the Fed interest rate, right? Well, that wasn't the interest rate was obviously impacting dealer fees. So like, mm-hmm. it, Literally, you could sell an account on Monday and then have four different changes before Friday, which is pretty wild. But this group was able to manage it
0: um, flawlessly, which was pretty cool to watch. That is pretty cool to watch. And when I was just there to see, uh, frankly, I was surprised by the size of the group when I was there. Um, You know, I was just Mm -hmm. with you guys last week. Mm -hmm. And not only did you guys manage through it, but you've you've grown through it, right? You brought new heads on. You've had more leaders come in. You've had more people develop. Um, Andres, what's a what's a hard lesson or maybe like your favorite failure on your path to leadership? What's something that really challenged you that, or maybe that you lost and learned from? Um,
1: I think the I think it was probably I don't know if it was two years ago. was it was probably it was q2 i specifically remember and it was maybe like i don't know if it was like a year and a half two yeah i I guess two years ago I, i don't remember which one yeah i would say like two years ago maybe even three um but i was like on the verge of having a panic attack because like you know the the installs that i thought were gonna go in were not going in and i was literally on the verge of having a panic attack um and You know, I I, I
0: did it for
1: customer just overwhelm or what? It's more so just like on on the back end. I think, you know, like we'll we'll go through the ebb and flows where we break a bunch of stuff on the back end and all that
0: stuff. Um, And I think, excuse me, you're just at the end of your rope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of it's it's usually and I think this happens like literally every Q2. So like every Q2 after that, it's kind of like the point in time where you know, after the winter where volume really picks up, but we have less people because we, you know, we have less people because of the winter, and then it's kind of like that point in Q2 where things are moving a little bit slower on the back end because we're still kind of like we're starting to scale up for the spring and the summer. Um, and I've noticed, you know, that, that it'll usually happen. Literally, there's like at one point in Q2, where it's just like, we're kind of just getting adjusted to that increase in volume. Um, and it was just, and I was like, you know, I started to freak out and I was like, literally on the verge of a panic attack. Um, and I think for me at that point, it was really just understanding, um, you know, what are triggers for me. Um, you know, how to be more resilient in the face of these type of challenges Challenges that I might be facing. And I think when I look at my, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely don't want to be in a situation where I'm praying for an easier life. I want to just pray to become more and more resilient. And mm-hmm. I think as I visualize my career, you know, in my life for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I feel like, you know, the stakes are going to get higher. Um, so I think it's just having had that lesson where it triggered something in me physically that really, you know, put that chip in me where I had to really address that in order to be better, you know, for my future self.
0: How so. did you, how did you address it? Like, I, I feel like self-diagnosis is, is a hard thing for a lot of leaders. So how did you notice it? And then what did you do to um, you know you said don't hope for an easier life essentially develop resilience right mm-hmm. so
2: mm-hmm.
0: how did you notice it and then what did you do to develop resilience rather than find yourself wishing for an easier path um
1: so I think in that specific, in that specific case, it was just, you know, doing a lot of like breathing work and all of that stuff and notice it in terms of just like, I was literally
0: like suffocating, you know, like I was, I was in the- you, you physically know. felt that it was impacting your physical well being.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like there was a moment where it was just like, you know, like all of the stuff, you know, kind of like, and I'm, f- I'm sure everyone has had it in their career where that one day where like everything yeah. just falls apart. Yep.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I'm a pretty positive dude for the most part. And I remember this job will test you, right? Like you Mm -hmm. get, in order to like, I mean, essentially, you're running a business that's funded by somebody else, and so at some mm-hmm. point, the universe. I actually saw Tony Robbins talking about this yesterday. The universe is going to get you to the point where it tests if you really want it, and then you know, 90% of the people get off the bus, leaving room for the top 10% to kind of move through. Yeah. And I remember, I'm, I'm again, I'm a pretty positive person, and I remember, <laughs> I, interesting. I wonder if it was Q2 actually uh, sitting down and talking to my wife, and I, I remember like taking my hat off and being like. Like there's pressure on my head. Like I remember feeling that and then saying like, I don't know if we're going to make it through this. Like it was like one of the very few times in my career that I felt like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's very rare that I get there, but I specifically remember the conversation and sitting there. It's a really real thing. And I believe most leaders that have had success understand exactly what you're talking about right now. You know what I mean?
2: I feel like everyone's had an almost quit moment.
0: And yeah, that was Andres. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even like yeah, it's not almost quit because you're weak. It's almost quit because maybe that seems like the smart thing to do, right? Like, I mean, you hear people that you know, you hear the quote that's like, who is it, Edison, that says like most people quit and they don't realize how close they were to success. But it's like mm-hmm. at some point you got to be smart too. Like I, I just I know that's a challenge and I know that's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you turn to to breath work, thought, meditation, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I turned to screaming in the backyard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. No, I'm just kidding. That's impressive, yeah. man. What are your, what are your, some of your um, top leadership values? And when I ask you that question, what do you value in yourself? And what do you look for? Like in reps, like what kind of, what kind of team do you, what kinds of things do you tolerate and not tolerate, I guess, to determine what values leadership values are in you.
1: Um, I think two, two of the top, two of the top things I think is like, um, that I, that I look for in reps. And I think all of the reps that we see, you know, we see as a potential to be future leaders. Um, I think having the, having humility, I think is super important. Um, and if I'm visualizing reps as, as I'm, if I'm visualizing reps as future leaders, I think being able to have humility um, to one coach other people, understand other people, you know, um, and and not putting yourself, you know, on a pedestal in you know in comparison to them. Um, so humility, I think, is is, is super important, um, as well as um, empathy. I think is is super um, important as well. Not only necessarily internally, but also externally, you know, with with homeowners. Um, So I think those are two big, I think, things that I find to be important and, you know, things that I wouldn't necessarily say that I look for in reps, but I think that are good, you know, like are are essentially green lights for being future leaders, having like empathy and having humility uh with, with
0: other people and
1: with the team as
0: well. Uh that's actually it's awesome. Cause from someone that's doing it, it seems counterintuitive to what you would, you know what I mean? Like a lot of salespeople think, oh, performance, dominance, confidence, uh, you know, alphaism. What you essentially said is is uh humility, teachability, those kind of go together, right? And mm-hmm. empathy. I think empathy is massive. Um, we just did this. We just did this. Um, this conversation on one of our leadership values on leadership. You remember at the Dallas conference where we talked about what that is, and we started by saying what it isn't, right? But part of what it is is being able to look at somebody that you're leading. Oh shoot! Sorry, somebody FaceTimed me. I turned off every single alert, and then somebody I, and I think they randomly hit the button on like the group message. There's no one wants to do a five way. FaceTime right now. Um, back on my thought, the, uh, one of the things that that you learn with, with leadership or empathy is when you understand how the people that you're in charge of think you can lead them better. You know what I mean? And when you understand like maybe Andres, maybe you're super sensitive and maybe will needs to be challenged. Right. And you're both mm-hmm. in say, you're both under my stewardship and, and you, you essentially have to lead those two types of people differently right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to be built up and maybe, Will, maybe you need to be pushed in the chest, right? Like, <laughs> but I think empathy is a bit of understanding like, okay, if I push Andres in the chest, how will he interpret that, mm-hmm. right? I may go to Will and be like, hey, you're doing a really good job. And he's like, don't patronize me. What do you want, right? Maybe. And maybe <laughs> for you, if I come to you, I'm like, hey, bro, you got to step it up. You'd be like, do you not see everything that I'm doing, right? Not, and mm-hmm. not to say that that's how you both are, although mm-hmm. I know Will's like that a little bit, right? You're like a you like that chip on your shoulder, um, but it's really important. Like I, one of the best, like piece of leadership advice that I ever learned. I actually, I know my, my brother Jordan does this, but he'll keep a list, um, of the people that are in his direct stewardship right next to his, right next to his desk, like by name, he'll list them out and then he will just look at that list in his weekly planning and say, who, who needs me this week? Like who needs me? And he just looks at his list and he's like that person. And then he'll ask himself, okay, how do they learn and how do they interpret praise, criticism. And, and, and then when you think about them, sometimes just for 30 seconds, right. It's like, Oh, I know exactly what to do, you know, but I think a lot of leaders, you seem to be a very like uh, mentally and emotionally present person. Sounds like you've done the work to kind of get there, but that's a real strength to be able to think and see people that way, because then ultimately you end up leading them the way they need to be led. You know? Yeah. 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 Agreed. Will, what do you think? What are Andres' top leadership values?
2: Um, Andres definitely appreciates uh, conciseness. He likes when things are structured and he knows the framework in which he has to work with, which mm. I, I think is is very strong. Um, but he also appreciates someone that, that knows and understands what someone's going through. I think being empathetic is as a leader is going to be important across the board, but more especially to someone um, like Andres, because that, again, it, it just increases his relatability and how he can then deliver uh, like a follow-up message if it's a message to his team or a message to individual rep or whatever. So uh, I would say both of those things are going to be his, his two biggest strengths, I would say.
0: I love that. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's get the universe on your side for <laughs> just a second here. What are, what are some of the goals that you have for the future that excite you? What's something that you ultimately hope to move towards through this yeah. role? Ty, while, while
2: Andres think thinking about how to answer that question too, one of the things that I do think is, is cool because we talk as an industry and uh, as a group Well, some of the cool investments that everyone's making. Uh, Andres has already made some cool ones and he's already running a couple of businesses. That He, he is well uh, adept to kind of speak toe to toe with most people financially speaking. So the, I imagine that's going to be about what's going to come out of his mouth, but I just want to give you <laughs> a, a little bit of the background. Uh, Andres is an intelligent dude.
1: That's really cool. Ruby. Ruby. Um, yeah, I think, uh, kind kind of to that, um, in terms of really, really, uh, continuing to scale up, um, my real estate investments. Um, you know, I, I had, you know, one kind of goal that I wanted to meet and, and kind of, uh, met that. So now just looking forward to the next stage, um, the next stage of growth in terms of, in terms of my real estate portfolio. Um, getting into you know i'm also excited about getting more into the development side of it um i just um i'm getting you know this year starting this year getting more into the development so not necessarily buying structures that exist but actually getting more into to actually developing which i think is super exciting because just having the 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 kind of acumen specifically around solar and renewable energy and being able to develop um the properties already energy efficient passive homes uh solar energy um i'm super excited about that to be able to you know mix my two passions which are which are real estate and solar so being able to have them essentially to mix them both i think i'm I'm, you know always excited about um and then also um one of my one of my investments were actually you know soon to break ground in in a, a brewery um in in new york city so um super super excited about that to kind of have it you know you know touch it walk through it see it uh we're we're um super excited to to have that happen but yeah i've just been uh also visualizing you know walking through the brewery, um, Mm -hmm. seeing, seeing a bunch of happy faces (laughs) (laughs) or the brew pub, excuse me. Um, That
2: answer is really
1: humble. I want to give a little bit more. What
2: a, a, the beer is really good that I'm excited for that. to continue to go. Two (laughs) Andres has kind of been the, the pioneer of, uh, an investment group in the DC North team where they've acquired now multiple properties and he's the, the linchpin behind it, so to speak, which I think is a really cool because it brings the leadership group closer together with owning properties together. And, and and Andres is the brains behind that operation. I know of, I know of a few, but even I'm not even sure exactly how many there are. are. Andres (laughs) is relatively mysterious. Uh, uh, So a a good, a a good
0: amount, a
1: good amount.
0: (laughs) Hey, honestly though, that's awesome. Like I love people, this job, like different people do it differently. Right. And so what I'm seeing is just the architecture, right? Like you're using the opportunity to build something, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you understand that, Hey, opportunity is, is rare and I can take these means and I can put them into something. And since you've thought through it, you're able to create it. I hope everybody does that. I hope everybody looks at like what they can do. And then they, they're just tools, right? Income and, and, and means it's just, they're just tools, right? So, How can I deploy these tools to make lives better is that's ultimately like this idea of suburban suburbanpreneurship that we talk about. It's like, yeah. you know, I have a skill, you have resources. I'm going to combine my skill, your resources, and I'm going to build a better life for myself and those attached to me. That's you're doing it, man. Like, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, any, any parting words or pieces of advice before we let people jump out of their car and go hit that first door? with an increased vigor and energy and zeal?
1: I would say for um, kind of going back to one of the initial topics that we were talking about. Um, one of the things that I, I see with reps and, and you know, I've, I've gone through that as well um, of just, you know, you have a specific goal in mind, you hit your goal, and then you kind of get to a plateau. Um, then it takes you time to actually set your sights on, you know, x x goal to kind of create that impulse for you to continue to move and grow um and i think one of the most important things that i think that you know because because goals and visions they definitely motivate us um they definitely motivate us and move us um to achieve what we want to achieve so i think continuing and continually setting new goals for yourself is going to have you continue to move because I feel like sometimes people end up plateauing and sometimes the plateau is for, you know, a week, a month, you know, or or for some people, you know, it's, it's five months or or whatever the case is because they don't necessarily, they get to a goal and then they're just like, well, this is the only reason that I was doing this. And now that I've actually achieved that, there's no other goal that I have in sight. So, what's going to actually Get me to my next or what's gonna push me to my next um goal so i think continuing as you grow um you know professionally uh personally continuing to set goals each time in front of you that are going to continue to push you um to become better you
0: know come better every day um at your craft and, and personally i love that It's a really proactive approach, right? They don't just happen. You have to like have. I've found you have to have concentrated like set time where Mm -hmm. you sit down and create the space to like evaluate. If not, you spend you spend your whole life like chasing money, and then you don't really know what you're going to do with it once you get it. And it's like, why did you get it in the first place if you didn't have a plan for it? You know what I mean? Like exactly. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. Well. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys jumping on, representing Capital, representing your crew out thank here, you. and uh, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. Stoked Likewise. to get it out to everybody. So thank you guys for being on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Go. If you're listening to this and interested in joining our teams, DM us on Instagram at RunTheLeague. What are you waiting for? Run the league. Shoot us a DM and let's get going. Thank you. <laughs>